You're listening to The River Walk. Today's message is about what the world says versus what the Word says. We hope you enjoy. If you have a Bible handy, I'd like you to find the book of 1 Timothy. This morning we're going to look at the epistles to Timothy in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And as you can see, the title of this message, if I had to title it, I don't always title these messages, but I would call it The Word Versus the World. Let me begin. I want to tell you what I did Friday. I want to brag on myself a little bit. Me and Jim, we got on those motorcycles and we rode 1,000 miles in 18 hours. Sounds like something really hard to do, but you know what? We did it, and I wasn't sore at all. I felt like a million bucks. As a matter of fact, Jim had to tell me we need to stop because I wanted to just keep on going. I said, come on, Jim, we can go another 500 miles. I'm not sore at all. My bottom feels just fine. I feel like we just began. Next day, I woke up and felt like I didn't do anything. Now, if you'll buy that... Let me tell you about the 15-pound bass I've caught out of Beth River on a cane pole. Y'all know that's not true. Half of it's true. We did ride 1,000 miles in 24 hours. But the truth is, I was dog-tired afterwards, and I'm still sore even today. And we alluded to this last week, but... You know, that is what the world does all the time. The world takes some half-truths and whole lies. And every Sunday and every day of the week, people just totally believe what somebody or something tells them. And like I said, we alluded to this last week, and I read these epistles, these letters to Timothy. Paul wrote Timothy, and Timothy was kind of... Paul's protege. He calls him his son in the faith. He wrote him to be a good minister. And I read these like I'm reading a letter to myself, and you should too. And Paul, over and over again in these letters, kind of tells him exactly what we're going to talk about this morning, is to have a, a sense of discernment. He gives a stern warning about what to expect in times to come. And he gives us instructions that we have to make a decision, we have to make a stance, and we have a decision every day of the week, every Sunday morning, are we going to listen to what the world says, or are we going to listen to what the Word says? Because let me tell you, there is a very, very, very big difference. And today, you might not think that, that you even hear what the world is preaching at you. But I want to tell you parents and grandparents and even children, today the world is coming at you through full speed. It might be through TV. It might be through your cell phone. It might be through Facebook. It may be through YouTube. And Paul knew that these days were coming. He told Timothy that these days were coming thousands of years ago back in his time. And we're going to read through these verses in in Timothy and Follow along if you can, and then later we're going to mention several verses. And if you have time, you know, you might want to write them down. But I really want you to get the picture of the stark, stark contrast between what the Word says and what the world says. So let me show you where I'm coming from. First off, very first off in 1 Timothy chapter 4. These are very small letters to Timothy. 
And you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about. Beginning right off the bat in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Paul wrote Timothy and he says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words, notice words of faith, and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. Tells them to listen to the words, the words of faith. Turn over a page or two in your Bible and look at chapter 6. Chapter 6, starting in, in verse 3. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reveling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gains from such withdraw yourself. Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now turn over to Second Timothy. Once again, just a couple of chapters over. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, we'll read the first 10 verses in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away, for of this sort are those who creep in the household and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as James and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be made manifest to all, as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, and we'll stop there and look at verses 14. It says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, of knowing from whom you have learned them, 
and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture, talking about the word again, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Go right into chapter 4 now. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach what? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And then Paul gives his farewell you know, the Apostle Paul could not have been clearer. If you're following along and you read that, you see some repetitive things. And I see over and over again, Paul is telling Timothy about what's to come. Things aren't going to get better. Things are going to get worse. People are going to have their own itching ears. There's going to be false teachers come up. But he also could not have been clearer for God's minister, for God's people. We're to know the difference between what the world says and what the Word says. We're to seek out, we're to search, and we're to search for the truth. And listen to that, we are not to search for what we want to be the truth. We alluded to this last week when we talked about pride the great sin of pride. And there's things that we would really like to be true. But scripturally speaking, it's just false. And Paul, I, I find it very, very interesting. The more I study this, this seems to be what Paul wants to leave his successor. He wants to make sure that Timothy doesn't get led away by deceiving spirits. There's all kinds of deceiving spirits. And I just I mourn because so many people right now are in church this morning... And they're not listening to what the Word says. They're listening to what the world says. Or they're listening to what the pastor says. Just like my example with riding the motorcycle a little while ago. Y'all know better than that. Y'all know better because common sense tells you better than that. Y'all know that even riding in a car for 18 hours is painful. So riding on a motorcycle is definitely painful. But so many times we don't know... We don't know what the Word says simply because we don't get in the Word for ourselves. So we trust somebody that's been to seminary. We trust somebody that studied the Word. We trust somebody. But folks, if you're a born-again believer, you don't have to trust somebody else. You can trust the Spirit that lives, lives in you. It says over and over again that the Scripture is profitable. We have the Scripture to read and you should get in it. You should study it. Not for what you want to see, but for what God wants you to see. I've wrote down a few things. This is one of those kind of sermons that could go on and on. I could make a sermon series out of this, and I probably could speak on this till next year. Because there are so many, so many lies the world spreads. It's just, it's not even funny. But I want to tell you some big differences I see 
in the world versus the word. And here's one of the biggest. Number one, the world, the world says that we're born beautiful. But the word, the word says we're born broken. Once again, I'm going to mention a lot of scripture this morning because I don't want you to listen to Brother Kevin. I want you to listen to what the word says. I want you to listen to what these ancient words that Paul and these disciples and some other ones wrote down. In Romans 3.23, it doesn't say for all are born beautiful. It says for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It sounds really good when we get on Facebook and we look at a newborn baby. And I love a newborn baby. It's beautiful. But the Word says that from the minute we are born, we have inherited a sin nature. And there's nothing we can do about it. I see it all the time that you say, well, you have to be taught to be racist. You have to be taught to do bad. And that's not true. Let me tell you, as the parent of a 20-month-year-old, he instinctively knows to do what I tell him not to do. And that's the same for me. He's inherited a sin nature from his father. And let me tell you something this morning. Everybody in this room, everybody that may be listening to this podcast has a sin nature. You were born with it. And the world says that you can work it away. You know the difference between Christianity and every other religion in America? Or every other religion in the world? The difference is that Christianity says we can't. Christianity says it's done for us. Every other religion says you got to do so much. The world says, well, go to church. Give to a charity. Live a good life. Go on a mission trip. Do what the Word says. But you know what? The Word doesn't say that you can work your way to heaven. The Word says exactly opposite. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. You know, it is such a shame that so many people try to work their way into heaven. Because they will never, ever, ever be successful at doing it. It doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter how good you are. And they are some good, good people in this world. But if you could be good enough to get into heaven, why in the world would Jesus Christ have died on a cross? Jesus wouldn't have came and lived a a good life. He wouldn't have lived perfect. He would not have died on an old rugged cross. He would have said, you guys just take care of it by yourself. He did it because he knew it's impossible for us to do. Don't listen to the world. If you're going to church and you're listening to a pastor that says there's no sinners in this place this morning, you can work your way into heaven. If you're listening to a pastor that says he's perfect, You better find another church because let me tell you, as a pastor, as somebody who studies the Word as hard as I can, as somebody who does the best he can, let me tell you, I am one of the all that have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I need forgiveness every single day. And that's what the Word says. The Word says that we're all born broken. You know something else the, the world says? The world says that you can't change who you are. And that, in a sense, that's kind of comforting. Well, I was born this way, and I can't change who I am. I was born with this desire. I was born this way. I was born a sinner. 
And it's kind of like I use the motorcycle example. They're, they're half right. They're half right. You can't change who you are. And yes, you were born a sinner. But the Word, the Word, Jesus Himself, says that you can be born again. In John chapter 3, verse 3, Nicodemus went to, went to Jesus. He knew that he had done everything right. He was a Pharisee. He was a good man. He says, what have I got to do to go to heaven? Jesus Christ himself say, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Let me tell you something. I don't care what the world says. God can change you. God changed me. He can change your heart, but you have got to believe that He can do it. In that first Timothy verse, it said doctrines of demons. And let me tell you, the world and the demons hate this doctrine because they don't want to lose one of their own. There is nothing, absolutely nothing. There is no sin in your life that God can't remove. There is nothing in your life that God can't change. He can do it and He will do it. But you've got to find the faith to ask Him to do it. We live in a world that you don't want to ask God to do it. We don't want to get rid of our nature. We were born this way and we want to stay this way. And we're, a lot of times we're scared to death to ask God to change us because that would mean it changes everything. Let me give you an example of, of what the world says versus what the Word says. All through June, all through June we heard about all these pride parades over and over again. But I have not seen one single network cover the Freedom March in May. They were men... Born-again men who were delivered from a homosexual lifestyle. Folks, it's not that God can't deliver someone from sin. It's that we don't want Him to a lot of times. God can change your life. He does it all the time. You don't believe it. Just, just look for that. Look, look for testimonies. Get online and, and read about stuff the world doesn't want you to hear. The world... The world says to celebrate sin, but the Word says to abstain from every appearance of it. Don't believe me? 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from all appearance of evil. I read a, a story this last week by, about a local girl. She, she had a, uh, a tattoo about sin on her body. It was actually about sin, not a specific sin. Folks, that's what the world does. We celebrate sin. Well, maybe you, don't, maybe you don't sin the same way a different person does, but we celebrate it. Sin is dangerous. Sin is deadly. The world doesn't want you to hear that. You never, ever hear the world talk about the physical dangers of socially acceptable sin. You know, there, with every sin, there's dangers that come along with it. It doesn't matter what it is. If, if it's adultery, that leaves a long-lasting mental and physical impact on the children involved. You know, they, you know how many less abortions there would be if there was no fornication? I mean, that's a baby being killed. I don't care what, what the world says. That's exactly what happens. And a lot of times that happens as a result from another sin. You know, I just simply, I went and looked for this this week. This isn't, this isn't a, uh, a Baptist thing. This isn't a church thing. This isn't even a Christian thing. But the most depressed people in the world are those living a sinful lifestyle. You can go look this up. In the American Journal of Public Health, 
They surveyed 3,000 homosexual men. And you know what they found? They have a suicide rate three times the overall rate for U.S. males. Out of those 3,000, 21% had made a suicide plan. 12% had attempted suicide. And half of them were multiple attempters. Why, oh why, don't we hear about that in the news? I mean, that is a suicide epidemic. That is a horrible thing. That is hard data the world doesn't want you to know. But instead of the world telling us about that data, we make a whole month to celebrate it. Think about that. Every single time you like a rainbow picture that's not associated with Noah's Ark, every time you like a same-sex relationship, every time you condone something like that, you're saying, yeah, buddy, you go live that lifestyle. The world approves of it. I do too. And who cares if it puts you at a 21% higher risk of suicide? Now, what makes more sense? That's what the world says. The word says it's a sin. You should avoid it. You should avoid every appearance of it. And guess what? Maybe you do have that struggle, but God can deliver you from it. What kind of person in their right mind? If my child came to me and said that he or she was struggling with that, you know what I would do? I would pray like never before that God would deliver them from that. But nowadays, the parents just embraces them with the open arms. And some even give their daughter testosterone pills to make them like a man. That is crazy. The world's crazy. What about the love of money? Paul mentioned this in several verses we just read. You know what the leading cause of death in America is? It's heart disease. That's number one. And, and what causes that? Stress. And usually, I don't know about you, but I imagine every person here, the leading cause of stress is usually over money. And if it's not over money, it's probably over sin. Every scientist and health professional in the world will tell you that a, a pregnant woman's carrying a baby. Science, history, and everything, everything you can imagine backs up the word, not the world. Sin shouldn't be celebrated. It should be prayed over. It should even be cried over. Folks, there are people right here in our community that is literally dying from sin. When was the last time that you prayed over the sinner? And not only are they dying, not only are they dying, they've got something far worse ahead. You know, a doctrine of the world says that it's just over the day you die. What a sad, sad doctrine. But the Word says it's only the beginning. And you know, I don't care, I don't care who you are. I, just, I do not believe that even the atheist or the agnostic, I do not believe when they're on their deathbed, they are thinking that's the end. And the world... There is no way every evidence in the world, there's story after story after story of people on their deathbed. And usually every single story says one or two things. They see the light and they see the angels or they see darkness and they're scared to death. One of the two happens. The people on their deathbed, atheist, agnostic, Islam, whatever, the people on their deathbed backs up what the Word says, not what the world says. 
In 2 Corinthians 5 verses 8, Paul says, We are confident, and I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present from the Lord. Revelation 21 verse 8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abdominal, the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. People all over the world are listening to pastors today that say there's only heaven, there's no hell. But guess what? The word is very clear that there's both. Jesus was very clear that there's both. It's so sad to me that we choose consciously all the time to listen to the world versus the word. You know, the world, there's some things the world just can't deny. The world can't deny Jesus. There's a few people out there. They're about as common as the flat earthers. They'll say Jesus didn't exist. But the world acknowledges that Jesus exists. The world even acknowledges that he was a man that was crucified by Rome on an old rugged cross. But here's the thing. The world says that Jesus Christ was just a man. But the word... The Word says He's the everlasting Savior. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You know, the world has got it so mixed up. You can believe that Jesus was only a man. You could even believe He's the most influential man in history. But you know what? The world has been trying to explain for years why that tomb is empty. The world cannot explain why every single one that walked with Jesus, save one, was crucified. Folks, would you die for a lie? Jesus is the only Son. He is the Savior. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He isn't just a man that died on a cross. He isn't just the founder of Christianity. He isn't just the founder of the church. He's not a one. He is the one. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The world, the world says everyone goes to heaven, but the Word... The Word says only some. Don't believe me? Look at John 1.12. It says, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. And you can look over and over again. Paul said, My heart's desire is that Israel will receive the gospel. Folks, a lot of people don't receive the gospel. Not everyone goes to heaven. Not everyone received Him back in John's time. Not everyone will receive Him in my time or your time. But as long as there is air in your lungs, there is still a chance. did a funeral yesterday for Miss Leela Woods. I was part of it. And I really told them that it's probably the best funeral I've ever been to. You know what made it great? It's because there was no question. There was no question where her faith lied. There's, there's no question. There's no question that she's in heaven, not because of what she did, but because of what Jesus did. 
So many people buy the doctrine of the world to their last breath. Well, I can be good enough. I can wait. Things will work out. Every way leads to heaven. But the Word just does not say that. The question you have to ask today, every day, is are you believing the lies of the world? Are you believing the truth of the word. Thanks for listening to the River Walk, a ministry of Beth River Baptist Church. If you have any questions about what you heard today, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at brbcliddyville at gmail.com. Hope you have a great week. Thanks and bye bye.